Cornerstone Church of Dothan, Alabama is built on the unchanging Word of God. We believe the life-altering message of Jesus Christ is still the only power on earth of changing a human heart. Now, let's join today's message. We're starting a, a new series, and actually uh, the, the topic for uh, the month of March will be Compel Them. And we'll read some scripture here in just a moment and go into more detail concerning what that exactly means. But what we're going to be looking at in this in the month of March, all, all five um, Wednesdays in March, is this, is, is it the, the passion, the passion, the, the desire, hopefully, that all of us um, should have in seeing the kingdom of God grow. Does anybody want to see the kingdom of God, God expand and grow? Can just by raise your hand, shake your head, do something. We want to see the kingdom of God grow, don't we? We want to see it expand. We want to see people come into the kingdom of God. We want to see people born again. We want to see people start uh, a journey, a walk of faith uh, with Jesus. I mean, you know, if you really look at it, as far as what I can tell, looking at Scripture and, 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 and what Jesus said and what Paul shared is that the reason that we're here, the primary reason uh, that the church is here is, is to make disciples. Yes, we know that. But before people can become disciples, they have to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, don't they? They have to make Him their Savior. They have to choose to follow Him in salvation. And so we're going to be looking at some things tonight kind of as, as a launching pad uh, for, this, uh, for this topic that we'll be emphasizing throughout the month of March. But if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start... Uh, reading verses here. We're going to read some from the New King James, and also we're going to read from the Amplified uh, Version, which we'll put on the screens for you here in just a moment. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 12, we'll give you just a moment to find that, and as I am as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 12, we, we read these words, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Verse 13, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us. So this is the first time that we'll see that word. We'll see it in some other scripture here in just a moment. But it says this one more time, For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15, and he died for all. Of course, speaking of Jesus, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for who? For themselves. Live no longer for themselves, but for him, for, for Jesus who died for them and rose again. Now, I want to read that to you from the Amplified Version. And there's some things that I think makes it a little clearer to us uh, in, as far as what he's talking about here. But it says this in the Amplified, For we are not commending ourselves to you again, but we are providing, providing you with an occasion and incentive to be rightfully proud of us. In other words, Paul had ministered to these people, and, and they were excited. Paul was excited. His team was excited about what had happened. And, and the Corinthians as well, for the most part, had been excited. They had, had, had appreciated the ministry that Paul had conducted there. So it says this, rightfully proud of us, so that 
you may have a reply for those who pride themselves on surface appearance on the virtues that they only appear to have although their heart is devoid of them. In other words, there are people that were ministering and come to minister, but it wasn't with a pure motive. It wasn't with a sincere heart. You know, and um, many years ago, uh, one of my spiritual mentors said that true ministry, impacting ministry, ministry that makes a difference in the lives of people doesn't come from your head, it comes from your heart. You know, God can take and does take people who may not know as much, who may not have all of the book learning, if you will, that others may have, or even the theological training. But if they have a heart, if they have a passion, if it's something that's burning on the inside of them to do something great for the kingdom of God or, or to, to be used by God in whatever way the Lord sees fit, those are the kind of people that God's looking for. He's not looking for people that have the most ability uh, although certainly will accept people, uh, you know, but ability alone doesn't always get the job done, does it? You can have ability. You can have really, really great ability. Um, you know, I, of course, I relate so much to, to athletic teams, and, and pardon me for once again for bringing this up, but, you know, athletic teams, they can have people that are great ability. I mean, they can have people in the right position, their skill, they do their job with, with great, with, with their, their specific job with, with great, you know, with great skill and talent, but yet if the team is not together, in other words, everybody's kind of doing their own thing and there's no real sense of camaraderie, then it's just not going to be effective. But if you have a team of people that realize that they have a purpose, they have a call, they have a reason for doing what they're doing, I'm I tell you what, God can take a team of people and do something great. Do you believe that? I mean, individuals, yes, to a certain degree, but there's nothing like a team of people working together that have joined together with a common purpose, a common vision, a, 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 a dream, if you will, of doing something great for the kingdom of God. And so, you know, we see here that Paul says that they, people came to him and ministered, but their heart wasn't there. They weren't really sincere of heart. And so we see here that, you know, that when Paul and his team came, it was with a pure heart. There was no ulterior motives. There wasn't anything behind the scenes they were looking for. They just wanted to minister the, the love of God to these people. They wanted to minister the gospel to them. So that's what he's talking about here. Then it says this in verse 13, For if we are beside ourselves mad, as some say, it is for God and concerns Him. If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. Verse 14, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. Now, in the King, uh, New King James, it uses the word compel. Here in the Amplified, it says this, the love of Christ controls us, urges us, and also impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15, and he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Now, what I want to talk about with you tonight to kind of get this, this started, this series started, is this word compel. In the Amplified, it, it said controls or urge or impel. But the word compel, as it's used in the Greek, it means this. It means to control. It means to urge. Uh, it means to impel. But also it means this. It means to hold together. It means to hold together. So Paul is saying here, it's, it's the love of Christ that's urging us, motivating us. It's what is holding us together. What we're doing is, is being held together 
by the love of Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? You think about that. And you think about our lives and, and, and the directions that, that we go in and the things that, that we encounter. And, you know, there's different things that, that hold us together, isn't it? Family can hold us together. I mean, the importance of what we're doing and, and seeing in the bigger picture. But Paul said here, it's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ that's, that's holding us together. It's compelling us to do what we're doing. You know, in, in thinking about a church and thinking about, um, let's even a bit more specific, thinking about our lives individually, what is it that holds us together? What is it that, that controls our lives? There are different things. Even after a person becomes a Christian, you know, there, there are different things that, that can control your life. There are different things that can really motivate you and I to do what we're doing. And so hopefully we as, as a church understand that it's the love of Christ. It, it's His love for us. It's God's love for us. It's that unending, eternal love that God has for us that is compelling us to do what we're doing. We're not here, you know, just to, you know, kind of go through the motions. We're not here just to, you know, kind of, you know, build nice facilities. It's wonderful and good, and thank God for that. But there's more behind it than that. And, and Paul was saying here, one of the things that you need to understand as far as going forward is this love of Christ, this love that God has for us, but in turn, this love that we have for Him, this love that motivates us to do what, what we're called to do. He said, so I, I believe Paul is telling him this before, that you can compel them and you can urge and encourage people you know, to, to follow Christ, to make decisions, you know, to, to be born again or to serve God with all your heart, then we have to be controlled by the love of Christ. It's something that we have to look at in our own lives and go, what's controlling my life? What's motivating me? What, what is holding my life together? And, and I think we could all, all say without any reservation, we're thankful for God's love tonight, aren't we? It's that love of God that we read about that casts out all fear. Thank God for that. Thank God, if we're afraid in any other than having the reverence and fear of God, there's no place for fear in a believer's life. Now, we're tempted to be afraid, yes. The temptation to be afraid comes, but the love of God does what? It casts out all fear. Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, we just, we're motivated, you know, to keep moving forward by God's love. We realize that what we're doing, you know, for the kingdom of God is not just, you know, something that's uh, impacting people right now, but it's impacting people for eternity. And eternity is how long? A long time, forever. It never ends. And so we realize that, that what we do is making a difference. Uh, I read a book some years back, some of you may have read it also, uh, Eternity Minded by John Bevere. Great book. Great, great book because it really sets things in order. It, it lets us know, you know, really as believers, you know, script, from a scriptural standpoint, what is it that is really should be the most important things in our life? You know, what, what is it that really should be a priority in our life? And we're going to see that here in just a moment. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me again to, or, or turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2. So, if, if one died for all, then all were dead. All were dead. Romans talks about this. Romans talks about how the fact that, that sin entered the world in death by sin. And death passed to all men that all have sinned. But then it goes on to say later on in Romans 5, but thanks uh, be unto God who brought uh, salvation through the work of Jesus. For one man's offense, death reigned by one. Who was that one man that brought death into the earth? Adam. 
Adam brought death to the earth of his sin. But thank God, the last Adam, Jesus, delivered us and the world from the bondage of sin. And so everybody needs to hear the message, don't they? Every person needs to hear about Jesus. And I know we live in a part of the country where we think everybody's heard about Jesus. Everybody knows about Jesus. Well, I mean, they may have heard about Jesus and, and, and may have some kind of, you know, awareness of, 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 of that name and maybe, you know, different things about it. But as far as really knowing him, you know, I'm not sure. Because, you know, Jesus said something to, uh, that's so powerful in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about, they said, well, didn't we prophesy in your name and we cast out devils in your name? Remember that? And did all these things in your name? And what did Jesus say? He said, depart from me, you know, ye evil workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That word knew there is, is it, it means intimate, in an intimate way. I never knew you in an intimate way. You maybe had, you know, you maybe, uh, you know, thought you knew me, but really we never had the real intimacy that I really was looking for. And so we realize that, that, that all, all men need Jesus. Every person that's on this earth needs Jesus. I was talking to someone here just this past week about some things and, uh, you know, just realizing that Sometimes, you know, when we, we live in certain parts of the country, I think that we kind of have this idea maybe that everybody has a kind of a general concept of, about God and Jesus and Christianity. But you know what you learn when you start talking to people? That, that, that there's still a real big need out there. To do what? To teach truth, to proclaim truth in love, not in a, in a condescending way, not in a point your finger, in a, you're a bad person kind of way, not in anything like that whatsoever, but in a loving way, in, in, in a way that, that, that has a, a, a real uh, sincere passion from a person's heart that they really want to see change come to that person's life. And, and I just, I believe in these days that we're living in, I, I think we're going to see more and more. That's why I'm excited about this series. And of course, we have Easter coming up here in uh, April, and that's always a huge time, you know, for the church, biggest day uh, for the church, bar none, greatest attendance, you know, is on, on Easter. Uh, unfortunately, there's a Sunday after Easter, and ministers will, tell, <laughs> ministers will tell you, well, we look forward to Easter Sunday, and it's great and good, but then sometimes the next Sunday, it's like, where everybody go, you know, so but that's okay. We're glad people come to church, aren't we? If it's one time a year, two times a year, we're thankful that we have an opportunity to minister to them, to share the love of God with them, to, to talk about Jesus and, you know, and, and not condemn people, as I said, but to share the good news. Because the, the Scripture says this, you know, that, that all have sinned, right, and come short of the glory of God. Man's attempt to, through good works will never be enough, ne never will be enough to bring salvation. Only believing with, in your heart, confessing with your mouth, the Lord Jesus brings salvation to a person's life. That's what the Scripture teaches. And so realize that, that, that one died, one died, brought sin, but one came and delivered all of mankind from the bondage of sin. That's good news, isn't it? And we realize something else, too, and I maybe get a little ahead of myself, but that the Bible says that God was at work in Christ doing what? Reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, wasn't, you know, pointing fingers, wasn't saying, oh, you're, you're bad. No, the Bible says that God was working in Christ to reconcile the world to himself, not imputing 
not counting their trespasses or their sins against them. Isn't that good? I mean, my goodness, to realize that, you know, right now, you know, when, when, when God looks at, we'll say, looks at me, he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember all the, the past sins and all the ugly stuff that happened in my life. That's all under the blood of Jesus. Thank God for that. And that's the good news that we have to share with people. And, you know, one of the things that um, I think is so important, and y'all have heard me say this before, but when something's real to you, it's never old to you. Would you agree with that? When something's real, I mean really, really real, you know, it never gets old. You know, I, I just, there's some things I never get tired, never get tired of looking at certain pictures and, you know, uh, just, and, and going back and, 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 and remembering and recalling things that just were impacting in my life. It, it just never, ever gets old. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we should maybe, how do I say this, keep ourselves stirred up if necessary, but really think about it, is what God did for us in Christ making us brand new creations in Christ Jesus, setting us free from the bondage of sin, not the temptation to sin, but the bondage of sin. I mean, realize that we have been set free. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, that, that should be something to me that just, you know, just every single day we ought to just at some point say, Lord, thank you, I'm saved today. I mean, on, 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 your, on your worst day, as a believer, you're born again. Amen? Anybody ever gone through a day where you just couldn't wait for that day to get done with? I know we've all been there. I mean, let's go to bed. Let's just get this day over with. But on our worst day, worst day, we're still children of God. We're still born again. We're still a part of the family of God. Come on now. We're still in Christ. We're new creations. Old things have passed away. All things what? Have become new. And so, you know, we should hopefully just maintain the excitement and, and the zeal and the enthusiasm of realizing, you know, whether we've been saved for one day or one month or 50 years, it doesn't make any difference. I, I, I love, we have so many people in this church who have, who have been serving the Lord for, for a number of years and still, you know, it's excited. I've had many tell me they're more excited right now about serving the Lord and being in the family and, and seeing what God's doing than they've ever been before. Don't you think that's the way it should be? I mean, we should be excited every day we're alive that we're a part of God's family. Amen. And so the love of Christ compels us, drives us, it motivates us. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, wait, there's one other thing I want to say. I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, back there in um, verse 15, said this, and he, died for, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Uh-oh. Everything was good. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's things that really begin, I think, to challenge us. We realize this. He said, listen, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live, uh, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I never forget, I heard John Hagee say a number of years ago, when a Christian is born again and makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, they forfeit their right to independent living. I just heard him, it's one of those things, you know, I heard him say it one time, and it's just like, man, it just registered. I don't know how long ago it's been. It's been a number of years ago. But when you get born again, you forfeit your right to independent living. You really do. 
We're not living for ourselves any longer. Who are we living for? We're living for Him. You know, uh, later on um, in, the, in Corinthians, that was, actually it was in 1 Corinthians, Paul said this, what do, Know you not that you bought with a price? You know, glorify God in your body and your spirit, but you're not your own, he said. You've been bought with a price. Wow. You think about that. You know, here the Apostle Paul, and we know his background and, and what he experienced. But he said, listen, I, I, I know this truth of, in my life. And I want you to know when, when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're no longer, it's no longer now just what you want to do. It's what, now what does God want from my life? One of the very first things that happened, I find this so amazing, is Paul had his encounter with the Lord, Saul at that time, had his encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And he appears to him and says, why, why are you doing these things? You know, you're persecuting me. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then he said this. He said, what do you want me to do? Remember that? One of the things he said, first things he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I find that just, I don't know, I, I say amazing. Maybe that's not the right word. But when, when, when the first thing Paul says to him after he's converted, what do you want me to do? And I, I think that's a good pattern, don't you, for us as believers. Lord, what is it you want me to do? If I'm not my own, you, I've been bought with the price, and it's not what pleases me, it's what pleases you, right? It's not what I want. Jesus, great example in the garden. What? Not, what, not my will, but your will be done. We see laying down our self-life to, to really have the life of God and the plan of God working in our life. And so, you know, he said, listen, we no longer live for ourselves. He said there once again, we no longer live for ourselves in verse 15. We no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for, for them and, excuse me, and rose again. So we're living for him, not about what pleases me. Not about just what makes me happy or you happy. We're, we're living for God. And so what is, what, where's God's heart? What, what does he want? What does he desire? What is it that's important to him? Do you think that's important for us to really know from a scriptural standpoint? Lord, what's important to you? Because we know this, when it's all said and done, all this is going to, it's going to be a pile of ashes. Isn't that right? The only thing that we do for the kingdom that's, 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 that's silver and, and, and gold and precious, you know, precious metals, uh, wood hand stubble is going to burn up. The rest of it's going to, that's what's going to endure. You know, and uh, I, I don't want just there to be a pile of ashes when I'm before the judgment seat. Do you? I don't, I don't want there just to be, oh, my, everything just, pfft, I'm saved, but there's just nothing there. I, I want to have something to offer to God, don't you? Something to offer to Him, worship and honor, that, that you did it from a heart that just loved Jesus and loved people. I want to see people's lives change. Because, you know, the, the, the longer we walk this, this track, and my wife and I have talked about this occasionally, but the, the more you see, I'm telling you, the devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy, isn't he? That's what the Bible says about he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Scripture says, but Jesus has come to do what? Give us life, and life more abundantly. And so we need to see ourselves living in this victorious life, thanking God for it, knowing our rights and privileges as believers. But more than anything else, as, as I see it from this Scripture, is realizing we're not living for ourselves any longer. We're living now for Him. Can you say amen? Now, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and we'll read down through verse number 4. I love this, this text of Scripture. Paul says this in the first verse, And you, He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as the others. But then verse 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. Isn't that powerful? In other words, he says, before, you know, you, you, were, you were, before now, you're alive now, but before you were alive, you were separated spiritually. You weren't alive spiritually. You were dead, he said there, in your trespasses and sins. You walked after the course or the way of this world. And, of course, we know this, that the way of the world is, is totally different from God's way. Amen? Not even anywhere even close, and so they walk in completely away. But then you get born again, you're made alive, and you have a course change. Anybody thankful for the course change that took place in your life? Well, I know I am. A course change took place. And now we're, we're walking after Him. We're following after Him. And it says this, that we were, you know, we were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind. We were children by nature. We had a sinful nature in us. But thank God, when you get born again, you have now the nature of God. The nature of Almighty God now lives on the inside of you and I. And I love that fourth verse once again. But God, who is rich in mercy... You know, mercy and grace are different. Sometimes we think mercy and grace are the same thing, but they're not. Mercy, you know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you didn't deserve. There's a difference between mercy and grace. And it says here that it was, it was God who was rich in mercy. And aren't you thankful today, church family, to know that God's still rich in mercy? God's not wanting people to go to hell. He's not wanting people to spend their lifetime in jail. He's not wanting people to be in bondage to, to addictions and things that would keep someone bound in life. He's rich in mercy, he said, for his great love wherewith he loved us. And so when we think about this mercy of God. We think about, you know, God's, God's grace, God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. On your best week, you couldn't, you couldn't do one thing that would be good enough in your own strength to get to heaven. No matter how many people you might feed or clothe or what you might do, but if, if, if you don't know Jesus, your good works are not going to get you into heaven. But thank God we have the, the opportunity in the days that we're living in and the time that we're living in is to share with people that there's, only, there's one way to heaven. There's only one way. Not a bunch of ways, not, you know, your way, my way, and it, it doesn't matter. We're all going to end up in the same place anyhow, and there's a teaching out there, teachings that talk about that. There's all kind of ways to heaven. It doesn't really matter. But as far as what my Bible tells me, there's only one way. And the Scripture says, Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so we see that we, we're, we're here as the family of God, we're here as, as believers to let people know that you know, the, even though that w the way things are right now may not be good in your life and, and you're seeing these, these bondages, you're, you're seeing these, these things that are happening that are just robbing you of life and joy, but there is a better way. I said there is a better way. And, and, and what we need to see is believe. We never need to lose sight that we just get comfortable in these four walls and then we leave. 
and we kind of live in our little cocoon, our own little world. I was telling somebody who not recently that really, and I'm stretching myself, I'll be honest with you, I am stretching myself, I kind of live in a little bit of a cocoon. I work at church. I'm around Christian people all the time. My family's Christian. People I fellowship for are Christian. You say, well, is, is anything wrong with that? No, nothing wrong with it. But you know, when Jesus invited people to a great supper, you remember who he invited? At least he invited just, hey, come. He invited people, the publicans and the sinners. Matter of fact, they, they, um, they came to him and said, your master's eating. <laughs> your master's eating with publicans and sinners. And then Jesus would say, listen, it's not the, it's not the well that need a physician. It's the sick. And, and we need to see people through the eyes of God. I, I, and I'm not sure if I'm communicating this, what I have in my heart. I'm asking the Lord to help me. But we need to see people the way God sees people, don't we? We need to see them like that. You know, and um, there's something I'm, well, let me, let me say something else here. We need to just pray, and we need to, uh, Lord, show us, help us to see people the way you see people. We know God's not judging you. God's not sending anybody to hell. Bible doesn't say God sends people to hell. People send themselves to hell by their decision or the lack of decision to make Jesus their Savior. And so he's not sending anybody to hell. It's his will for people what? To be saved, for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, he's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. Not willing for any to perish, but for what? For all to come to repentance. Everybody. And, and, and what I feel challenged in my heart and what I feel uh, to share with our church body, our family, is that, Lord, help us to see what is really, really important in these last days that we're living in. What's really important? What's really going to make a difference? You know, and when you, when you think about it, when you put everything in its proper, I think, perspective, you realize that the most important thing is the kingdom of God, isn't it? Above everything, politics, all that's going on right now, you think that was the most important thing in the world. It's not the most important thing in the world. I know things are going all over the earth right now. That's, our earth is reeling. It's shaking right now. It is. But still, the most important thing right now on this earth is the kingdom of God. What's happening in the kingdom of God. What God wants to see happen in the lives of people. Do you believe that tonight? I hope you do. That's the most important. Because if, if that's not paramount in your heart, then you're going to see all kind of different things. You can get pulled away, and it's not that important, not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Where people spend eternity is a big deal. And we know this. There will be people that will say no to Jesus. There will be people that will say, mm-mm, no one of that. And isn't it sad to think that they're going to be in hell for eternity, and they're going to realize that they didn't have to be there? didn't have to be there but you know we we're not trying to determine who's going to get saved and who's not we're not trying to determine you know this one is and that one won't what is our responsibility what motivates us the love of God motivates us just to share the gospel to invite people to be a part of helping somebody get on a journey start following Jesus and, and I believe that in in these these days that we're living in I, I, I just really believe the Holy Spirit is, is really dealing with people's hearts about this. I tell you, I, I mean, I, I want this, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I want this house to be full, don't you? 
Don't you want to see people just almost every single service give their life to Jesus? But you know what? People don't have to wait to come to church <laughs> to get saved. Hey, let me get you to church or y'all get you saved. You can get saved anywhere, can't you? And just having an awareness, having something that's burning on the a passion, if you will, that's burning on the inside of us that's saying, man, I, I just, I want to be a part of seeing people's lives change. I want to be, be a part uh, of, of people getting born again. I want to be a part of seeing families come back together. I mean, you can change environments for people. You can change jobs. You know, people can change mates. But until you have a change of heart, nothing's going to change, is it? You've got to have a change of heart. That's where it all starts is a change of heart. And so we were once apart, away from Christ, spiritually dead, but thank God the love of God. But God, it said there once again in that fourth verse of Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Isn't that powerful to think about that? And so we, are, we need to realize that, that people today in, in, in Dothan, Alabama, and I don't know how many people, I think six, seventy thousand 70,000 people maybe live in Dothan. I'm not sure. I know a uh, survey came out, or not survey, but uh, what do you call it? Census came out and, and, and said how many people live in Dothan, how many people live in Houston County. I want to say like 110,000 people now live in Houston County, something like that. But there's a lot of people in Dothan now. It's, it's grow Our little town is growing, isn't it? And, and that's good. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we're seeing some good things take place and there's, there's, there's prosperity. And that's good. But the most important thing is still what? The kingdom. It's about what, what, are we, what are we doing together in advancing the kingdom of God? And is it a passion with us? Is it a passion? When you have a passion for something, I tell you what, you wake up in the morning thinking about it. Anybody ever had a passion for something before? Maybe you still do now. I mean, just maybe it's a hobby or something you enjoy or, you know, whatever it might be. You have a passion for it. You know, and I tell you what, the longer... And I'll just share my heart with you tonight. There, there was a time probably, oh, probably eight or nine years ago now. I just, not that I, didn't, that I lost my passion for ministry. I've never lost my passion for ministry ever. But it just like, you know, am, am I really making a difference? Is this really, is this, is this helping anybody? And I went through it for a little bit. I thought, well, let me try this and try that. And, you know, started looking at some things. There, I, 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 quitting was not an option. It would never been an option. I'm not a quitter. I'll, I'll never quit. But it's like, you know, let's just, you know, we'll just kind of coast. Let's just kind of, you know, if, if things happen, okay. If they don't, well, you know, no big deal. But I tell you what, I don't know how long it was. I don't remember four, five, six months, maybe something like that. But I tell you what, there was a, a time, and I was, I was, I don't remember exactly where I was, so I don't want to say for, for sure, but I was, I remember just with, with God, just something came alive again in my heart. And not that it was, it was dead, but, you know, it had to get stoked a little bit. And I, I see one of my responsibilities is to keep everybody stoked up here. Got to keep that fire. Now, I can help you, but you know what? Sometimes you got to keep your own fire stoked up, don't you? Yeah, well, I'll just go to church and let pastor do it. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. We're going to do our part, but yet it's a responsibility, I believe, of, the, of a believer to keep themselves motivated, motivated in the love of God, thinking about the grace of God, looking about who we are in Christ, and that's all good. But even more than that, I believe, is what about people? What about people? Where, where are they? You know, where, where are they going to, to spend eternity? My brother Hagin shared a story, um, and I've shared it with the congregation in the past, but he shares a story about a woman he had ministered to in the past, and she would not accept Jesus. She would not 
make Jesus the Lord of her life. And so he lost contact with her. And uh, he gets a call some years later. It's her daughter. She said, would you please come pray for Brother Hagin? She's not doing well. She's, she's, you know, at the point of, we think she maybe is at the point of death. So, you know, would you come and, and, and minister to her? And he said, sure, I'll come. And so he's there, and she's just in a pretty much of a semi-comatose state. And he's talking to the sister. I don't think he's even prayed for her yet. Then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, she, she rises up in bed. And she says, please tell me there's no hell. Please, please tell me there's no hell. And lays back down. That's it. And I don't know how much longer, it was after that that she passed away. I don't know. But it said it just, it just, it had hit him. You know, he said, sent her, from a feeling standpoint, I wanted to tell her, you know, no, there's not. But he knew that there is a hell. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shine. There's, there's, there's both. There's, there's heaven and then there's hell. And so he said, I realized at that point it motivated him again to make sure that wherever he was and wherever he ministered to let people know there is a hell. There is a hell. But there's also a heaven. Amen. And, and we want as many people as we can to go to heaven, don't we? But not just, you know, yes, to go to heaven, but to live a productive, powerful life while they're down here. Amen. To help them see that and help them to experience that. And so we realize that there's so much riding, I believe, you know, in these last days on the church and our responsibility in Dothan and America and around the world to make sure that we're preaching the gospel, right? Not preaching a feel good and, you know, everything's okay. Everything's not okay from a scriptural standpoint. There's, there's things that the Bible clearly lays out that are, that are wrong. They're not part of God's plan. And so we preach the gospel in what? In love. Not out of a condemnation or not out of, you know, well, you know, you're, just, you're, you're no good and, and, and you deserve hell. Everybody, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. How about you? I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't, I, I, I didn't thank God, but I, there was an exchange that took place. Jesus took my place. Aren't you glad Jesus took your place? And that same, he became sin for us who knew no sin. That what? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So I stand before God righteous, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. And I stand in him righteous. Glory to God. And that's what we have to share with people. And that's good news. It's good news. But what I want to see, uh, and, and I'm talking about me, I'm talking about this church family, is, is getting excited. Getting excited about, about seeing people. Seeing, seeing people that maybe the world's given up on. Seeing people that, you know, everybody seems to think it's always the down and outers that, that need Jesus. It's the up and enters that need Jesus too. Right? It's not just people that are down and out and, you know, on skid row. It's people that sit in offices. It's people that sit in, in you know, and in, 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 in work in places of, of what may, the world may consider to be prestigious. They need to hear the gospel message too, don't they? So it's everybody. And so we're compelled by this love and this passion that we have for people. Now let me, um, let's, we'll read this, Luke 14, and then I'll pick back up here. Um, in a couple of weeks, and we'll look at Luke 14 for just a moment. Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, and we'll, we'll read this here, and we'll stop here in just a moment. But Luke chapter 14, 
verse 15. This is the parable of the Great Supper. I'm sure you've read it many times before, but let's read it again and let it speak to us. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16 says this. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they would all, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Verse 19, And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Verse 20, Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Verse 21, So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Verse 22, And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out. Second time he said, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Why? So that my house may be filled. So that my house may be filled. And so we see, and we'll get to this a, a little bit more next time, but the word compel here is it's, it's, it's a little bit different. It's not the same. It's very similar, but it's a little bit different. And it means this. It means with strong feelings of love. It means to urge. It means to pressure. Not in the sense, or not to manipulate, but with a sense of urgency, realizing how important the decision is. Wow. So we are to compel people with a sense of urgency. We're to pressure not with, not with, you know, get saved, get saved, get saved, but with a sense of urgency, realizing how important the decision people need to make if they're not born again. That decision they need to make. You know, there's, there's, there's three things here, and, and I'm gonna, we'll come back to this, but there's three things here that I see from this, three takeaways from, from this verse of Scripture of these verses of Scripture. Number one, he said this, to go out quickly. Go out quickly. To me, that says priority. Make it a priority. It's, it's, it's the most important thing. Remember, what's the most important thing? The kingdom of God. So he said, go out quickly. Number one, so it needs to be a priority. What we're doing as, as a church, not just Cornerstone, but what, we're, what the church is doing is important. People will try to tell you today, well, the church has lost its voice and it's not as powerful and, and not as impacting. Who says? The world says that? No, I believe the church is still approaching, and not there yet, but we're still approaching an hour when there's going to be a great, great, great work of God through the church. And we need to be ready for it, don't we? Make it a priority. You know, you can, you can miss things sometimes when you're not alert when you're not aware of things. You can miss it. I don't want to miss anything God has. How about you? Not one single thing. And so he said, I want you to go out quickly, a priority. Number two, again he said go. And I believe he's saying this with a sense of urgency. So priority number one, urgency. 
Is what we're doing urgent? Is it important? When something's urgent, you don't just kind of take your time and, you know, just kind of meander. When something's urgent, what does that mean to you? Let me just get a, what, what does urgent mean to, to somebody? Tell me what urgent means to you right away. Now. Quick. Very good. 911. This is urgent. And, and I think that's the way that we need to see what we're doing in these last days. Not in a sense of pressure, we're all, oh my God, you know, not like that, but a sense of we need to be doing this. I, I need to be, you know, in, 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 in doing what God wants me to do in these last days and not wasting time, you know, and, because we all know time is flying by, isn't it? I mean, it was just yesterday, you know, that I had a head full of hair, and, and, uh, and here I am a few years later. <clears throat> Honey, need any comments from the peanut gallery over there now? Y'all did? Uh, but it's urgent. And if, and if I could leave, well, the third thing is this, and, and then I'll, we'll come back, and I'll say just a few other things, and we'll close. But the, the third takeaway, priority number one, urgent number two, and number three is this, the master wants his house filled. The master wants his house full. Does that mean every single seat, every single time? I, that's not what I'm saying. He wants his house filled. He wants people here. You know, we, we built this, this, this new sanctuary for one purpose, for ministry. That's it, for ministry. Opportunities to minister. And, and each one of these chairs is a story. There's a story here. There's a story right here. Story. There's a story right There's a story over there. There's a story here. There's a story of somebody that was down and out and the world had given up on them and just, you know, threw them on the junk heap. But God. Come on now, but God. Who is rich in mercy. But God who has a great way of making things that were impossible now possible. God who makes a way in the wilderness and provides rivers in the desert. Come on now. He wants his house filled. Not just this house. He, he, wants, he wants to see his house full of people. And so I'll close with this. Urgency. I, ju I just sense that there's a, a time is, 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 is now. When is the time to get born again? The Bible says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so we, we see, even with that, this sense of urgency. Not just we've got all kind of time. We can lay, you know, if you feel like you've got all kind of time, you know. And some people, and, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot better, but I was a, a procrastinator at one time. Now, I know no one in here is a procrastinator. So we're not talking about you, talking about me. But, you know, you keep putting things off, you keep putting things off, you keep putting things off, and finally you get it done. You know, and, and, and your point is, well, I finally got it done. Well, and that's good. But you might have saved a little bit of headache and, you know, other things if you had, you know, got it done up front. But this is what I want to close with, urgency. When you're thinking about what's ahead of us, and not just for Easter, not just we're gearing up for one big day, we're, gonna, we're, we're gearing up, it's going to be a great day. But we're looking even beyond that, aren't we? We're looking at there's a, there needs to be this, this passion of what we're doing, this sense of urgency, that what we're doing is important.
I believe you being here tonight is important. Do you? Obviously you would if you, or you wouldn't have come. But you're here tonight because of a realization that this is important. This is, I need this in my life. But when we think about going forward and, and what, what it looks like for the church, not just Cornerstone, but it looks like for the church, I believe you're going to see this, this, this urgency that's going to take the body of Christ. And it's going to be good. We're going to be, we're going to be telling the good news to people in, in ways and, 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 and avenues and venues and homes and work. And I mean, God's going to be using people all over the place to share the good news. Aren't you excited about that? And I'm glad to be a part of that. I am so glad to be a part of the Last Days Church because I believe we are. I believe we are the Last Days Church. And so uh, we need to do what we do with a sense of urgency. Amen? And priority. It's important what we're doing. We believe you are blessed by this message today, and we encourage you to stay in God's Word. Cornerstone's mission is to be actively involved in the Great Commission by raising up and equipping a body of believers who are empowered with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for the purpose of impacting those people around them with the love and goodness of God. For more information about Cornerstone Church and other resources that are available to assist you in your spiritual growth, contact our office at 334-983-1848 or visit us online at ccdothan.org. 